Time to travel with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you and welcome to this week's edition of Time to Travel. On the show this evening, I'll be chatting with freelance travel writer Graham Howe about his recent visit to Chicago to attend the Powwow Travel Conference there. Charlotte Quinette Mankey's head of Workaway International South Africa will be on the line and it's that time of year again when they are holding their annual recruitment seminars. And for the past 14 years, through 23 programs, Workaway International has placed over 12,000 young people at some of the most prestigious country clubs in the United States. Their goal is not only to find their recruits a job in the USA, but also to guide them through the cultural experience of living in the United States. And then, if you don't have much planned for the long weekend in the middle of June, best you diarise the Absa Carletstor Port and Wine Festival 2014, which will stretch over the weekend of the 14th and 15th of June. Butznell, de Kranz owner and winemaker, will be joining us a little later, and he'll be filling us in on this annual event. And just a reminder, if you need any information about something you hear on Time to Travel this evening, you can find it on Facebook. Just go to Travel on SAFM. Or you can email me on travel at safm.co.za. Well, that's the lineup for this evening. I do hope you'll stay with me and enjoy the show here on SAFM. Chicago, Chicago, that toddling town. Chicago, Chicago, I will show you around. I love it, bet your bottom dollar you lose the blues in Chicago, Chicago. The town that Billy Sunday couldn't shut down. On State Street, that great street, I just want to say. They do things they don't do on Broadway They have the time, the time of their life I saw a man, he danced with his wife In Chicago, Chicago, my hometown Chicago, Chicago, that toddling town Chicago, Chicago, I'll show you around I love it, bet your bottom dollar you lose the blues In Chicago, Chicago, the town that Billy Sunday could not shut down On State Street, that great street, I just want to say They do things that they never do on Broadway Say They have the time, the time of their life I saw a man and he danced with his wife In Chicago 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 That's my The last time Graham was in the studio with us, Graham Howe that is, he was telling us about his wonderful trip over to the UK where he was driving all those Aston Martins. And you sort of think, well, life can't really get much better than that for him, but apparently it does. And he's just been to something called the Pow Wow in Chicago. Graham, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Carl. It's good to be back as always. So why are you powwowing in Chicago? <laughs> well, I was invited um, as the only uh, South African journalist. And, and in fact, it turned out to be the only journalist from Africa to join about five 500 other journalists from 70 countries attending what is known as Power or the International Power 2014. It's the biggest annual American travel trade show and it rotates uh, around um, cities. So last year it was in uh, Vegas, and this year it was in uh, Chicago. And uh, I was really interested to see the uh, the grand old city. It's really always been known as America's second city after New York. So I joined about, I think there were 6,000-odd buyers and suppliers from right across America, all the different state tourism bodies and airlines and resorts and, and all the city attractions all on a sort of giant conference floor over a, over a four-day uh, period. And it, it really is a showcase of 
uh, tourism and travel attractions in in the United States. It was the first time I'd attended, and they estimate the deals done at the show, in fact, uh, bring in over the next three years some 8.8 million tourists, spending around 4.7 billion. So it's a it's a big deal, you know. The the uh, all the international tourism operators who come from from around the world to meet up and and look at what the uh, the best of what a, a country as diverse as the U.S. you know has a huge range of tourism attractions is one of the world's number one tourism destinations. What was interesting is that Choose Chicago and Discover Illinois, two of the host partners, along with the main organizers, the U.S. Travel Association, that they are all facilitating uh, an executive order signed by President Obama in 2012, which was aimed to attract 100 million new visitors to the U.S. by 2021. And in fact, 70 million international visitors spent a record 180 billion on tourism in the US in 2013. So tourism is really big business and in fact it's one of the biggest contributors to GDP for many economies around the world. So it's fascinating to go to a conference like this um, and really you know get a kind of inside uh, track on you know what works and new tourism strategies and advertising campaigns and a lot of them are sort of classically American as well like uh, California has a whole California dreaming where everyone uh, visualizes through the social media their particular dream and, and so it taps into that big thing that you can dream big in California. And similarly for other states, they would have um, similar tourism campaigns. The one thing the Americans do know how to do is advertise themselves, and they Absolutely. do a really good job they of do. it. They really know how to do that. And tourism <clears throat> is also there, having been there for a very short time, granted just um, on holiday there once, also, they, re- they really know how to do the tourism thing really well. Yes, they've they got do. that down pretty well. No, absolutely. But now, Chicago, it's, it's a bit of a schlep getting there. Well, how did I, you get there? I thought it was going to be a, a really arduous trip. And in fact, I was able to uh, fly from Cape Town with one stop in London and directly into Chicago. So there were two flights of about 12 hours, a five-hour stopover, and then another nine-hour flight. But in fact... This was with British Airways, but whichever way I looked at it, you can also fly um, directly from, say, Johannesburg to the States, but then you fly in with either Delta Airlines or South African Airways, and you fly into Atlanta or Washington or New York, but from there you then have to fly on to Chicago. So, in fact, whichever way I looked at it, you you can write off a sort of 24-hour window, but it is nice just to catch, if you're living in Cape Town, for example, two flights. Well, it would have been... And, uh, and you're straight yeah, into it would have been, Otherwise, it's three otherwise, flights, Cape Town, uh, Johannesburg. Johannesburg, Atlanta, and on a long 17-hour flight. And then to and Chicago. Then, and then Atlanta into Chicago. So, in fact, it... Uh, so, it was an know, overnight flight pretty much to London. And then yes, how long was it from London to Chicago? About, about uh, eight and a half, nine so it's hours, not, so It's actually shorter than yes. going that way. Yeah, so... so And, and it was a, a tremendous um, experience because when I flew back, I flew on the new A380 <gasps> that was only Ooh. introduced late last year. Is that that double-decker the thing? Do- and I've got to tell you... And this comes from someone who travels every single month well, on long-haul flights. Well, we've noticed that, yes, we have noticed. Um, and, in fact, uh, if you go onto British Airways, you can find a new program called Your Flight Path, and it records every flight you've taken. Oh, my in goodness, my how case, big is it for the last 10 years? It uh, shows how many huge. times you've flown around the world, how many days, if not weeks, you've spent in the air, etc. So it's a fun little program. So how many have you done? I think in the last five years I'd flown around the world ten and a half times. Oh, that's just um, awful. That was just in the last five years. And I think I'd spent something like two weeks in the air in the last really? ten years. Yes. Oh, okay. So believe me, when it comes, to, to, I'm a I'm a jaded traveller when it comes to uh, uh, to airplanes. But the A380 is just a whole leap. Now, did you fly your sort of Graham House special business class, first class, I, or were no, you no, sort of I, with the I cattle class? I experienced both classes. I must say the business class is more like a first class. It really well, you is flew that a top of the range experience. Out on yes. That. Yes, so and coming so, home you flew, and and, and so and, and then I flew in in on an economy leg as so well. So what's the economy like on the A380? Well, it's it's amazing. There's actually the the seats have a thirty degree greater pitch with an adjustable headrest that actually you know it's almost like wearing one of those pillows in a, in, oh, okay. on, a, on, a on a long distance bus mm. or as people travel with them. So and if you sit next to the window, um, you have your own storage right next to you, so you don't have to climb over people to get up to your luggage. Oh, um, I like this. And it's because the, 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 the top and lower decks are both very wide, you know, it's the widest plane in existence, and 
the, I think there are 469 seats on board altogether. The other sh two huge differences, whether you fly economy or business, is that there is no practically no white noise. It's almost a silent aircraft acoustically. And it makes an amazing difference not to have that whoosh, you know, if you're trying mm. to listen to the audiovisual on the plane or just to sleep, is that it's an amazingly quiet aircraft. I would say quiet by about 100% more. Also, the air quality is fantastic. It changes completely in the entire cabin every three minutes. Good heavens, um, so that must make a huge difference. I actually slept... You know. And you didn't come home sick this time because you normally come home <laughs> sick from long-haul flights from breathing in all the air all over the place. You came Absolutely. home pretty well. Even loading the plane is an experience because I had booked a seat on the, on the upper deck because I love flying on the upper deck. And I hadn't noticed, but there's a slight incline to the sky corridor, what they call the boarding jetties, as a result of which I, it had led me to the upper deck. So I got to the upper deck looking for a staircase, and she said, no, no, you're on the upper deck, dear. You can't get any higher without exiting the plane, you know, through the loft, I suppose. So I said, but how did I get here? I said, she said, no, no, didn't you notice there's a slight incline? She said, do you loading? I said, I didn't. I said, I did notice that I walked longer than normal. Than normal. Mm. But I said, it's, it's you know... Very gentle way of boarding an aircraft. And the finishes are all superb and the televisions are wider screen and the audio visual is fantastic. It's like having a sense around. And they've got some great introductory offers on the Johannesburg London A380 uh, uh, bus route. I would really, re under 10,000 in fact, I believe. So I would really recommend anyone who's heading to Europe to, to, to try it. Try. it. It really is a new generation air experience and um, it almost sounds like that could be your entire holiday just experiencing the a380 absolutely no no I, I arrived and left in a very rested state from uh, uh, chicago and i can also say that i had the best loo experience on board ever uh, but this was in business because it's like an ensuite it's a double size and, and oh, normally right. that's the one sort of shortcoming of uh, whether mm. whatever whether you're in business or first or or, or economy is the, the toilets and it's really grand it kind of felt like a cruise ship you know because oh, right. Yeah. I, 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 the, the loos were right next to the, uh, the staircase that goes down and there's this long strip of, of neon and it really felt like one was sort of going from the nightclub zone down to <laughs> back, back to one's cabin on a five-star cruise ship. And so hats off to, 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 to British Airways for introducing these. Apparently they, they are introducing them on routes all over the world at the, at the moment. Okay. And in fact they fly into 18, direct from London into 18 different cities um, in the US. Right, so now you've done your fabulous flight and then you ended up in Chicago. Where did you stay when you got there? Well, I stayed at the Palmer House Hilton. There were only four South Africans uh, in, in our delegation, three from the trade and myself. And the Palmer House Hilton is actually the oldest continuing, uh, continuously operated hotel in the United States. Opened in 1871 and a wow. sister hotel to the world of Astoria was the first to introduce elevators. And it has a grand lobby. Uh, you cannot imagine this lobby. It's like something out of the Vatican. And in fact, apparently an Italian artisan who did the murals worked on the Sistine Chapel on a restoration job in, in the Vatican. And it's been an election campaign stop for over 100 years for the likes of McKinley, Truman, Bill Clinton. And the L, which stands for the Elevated Railway, but it's called in American shorthand the L, the city's iconic elevated rail runs right past the hotel at the second floor level. So it's very conveniently located right in the downtown, the area they call the Loop that's featured in many films. I'm sure you remember all the car chases beneath yes, those girders. Yes, I do, actually. And people leaping mm. from the railway tracks above. I mean, there's just been so many films uh, done there. Now, you mentioned at the beginning about going to the powwow and or who, or what, who all was there doing what. But did you spend the entire time you were there at the conference or did you actually get to see the city at all? There were evening functions um, which took place in some of the iconic tourism attractions. Uh, you know, we had dinner in the, the Museum of Science and Industry, which is an incredible building and, and, and really like being in a similar museum in, in, in London. And we also, on the opening day, media had an opportunity to do many day tours. This was on a Sunday, the day before the conference really got underway. One of the top-rated tours is an architectural tour, rated number one by TripAdvisor, and you actually float on the Chicago River around this you know, incredible collection of skyscrapers. Um, Chicago and not New York is seen as the cradle, as the birthplace of both the skyscraper and the world's first department stores in the late 19th century. So there are these incredible early glass and steel and art deco skyscrapers like the, the Sears Tower, for example, from Sears and Roebuck, the world's tallest building until 1997, when the length of an 
uh, antenna on the Petronas building in Kuala Lumpur edged out, much to the irritation of the uh, Chicagoans, who, who, who thought this was a bit of a cheat by putting a, a radio aerial on the top of a building. You could build an even taller tower. So we took the elevator up 95 floors to the top of the, of the John Hancock Observatory, where you get incredible 360-degree views of Chicago sitting on Lake Michigan, so you can see the whole of the Lakeshore Drive. And I was suffering from jet lag and vertigo. And they have this new tilt attraction that actually literally tilts you oh, off no. the building. No, which, no, 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 no. Which was not for me. But what was great is that um, some of Chicago's top chefs, and this is a city with its own Michelin guide, 25 Michelin-starred restaurants, including three-star Eliana, currently rated the top restaurant in the world. And all of these um, sh chefs presented uh, canapes. So that was oh. my grand arrival in Chicago, wow. was having slept off the jet lag to get up the following morning, go up to 360 degrees uh, Chicago, which is the name uh, and the signature room, the name of the restaurant on the top, um, and, and look out over Chicago while enjoying a wonderful brunch, welcoming brunch. Now I have to ask you, every time you go to Australia, you have a habit of climbing things that are high. You didn't attempt climbing anything here. Well, no, this was 95 floors well, up. Well, I'm just so asking I, because I'm, I, I know you in high things. Yes, no, I know so. you in high things, especially in Australia, you climb them all. I just wondered if perhaps yeah. you didn't uh, give it a shot there. Now, you talked about the architectural tour. Did you do any city tours, though? I did a blues and prohibition tour. Oh, nice. Of course, Chicago is known as the blues mm. capital of the world. It's famous for its recording studios and has been since the 1930s. And the huge movement of blues musicians from Mississippi and Tennessee and the Deep South up to Chicago produced what they call the, the five W's, Muddy Waters, Sonny Boy Williamson, Howling Wolf, Little Walter and Willie Dixon, all of whom became famous Chicago blues musicians. And during Prohibition from 1920 to 1933, Chicago became legendary for its thousands of speakeasies and jukebox joints. In fact, we visited the Green Mill, which was founded in 1907, a gorgeous little Art Nouveau um, nightclub uptown. And it was an iconic a jazz bar whose most famous patron was, uh, was Al Capone, who, oh, who ran Chicago <laughs> and ran all the bootleg liquor through Chicago from Canada. And, of course, um, there are many famous films, and you could do a film tour, too, of Chicago, like The Untouchables comes to mind, the special police division that was founded to, you know, to catch the uh, these. But, in fact, Al Capone was only ever caught on a tax evasion yes, charge. Yeah. But mind you, he made 106 million wow. in, in, okay. in 1926 <laughs> and didn't declare a penny. So it just shows you how much was to be made. And of course, Chicago today still has a great tradition of craft breweries, of uh, whiskey stills, um, small whiskey distilleries. So we visited on a Blues and Pro Prohibition tour some of the Southside Chicago joints as well. And we visited, best of all, with Buddy Guy's Legends, one of Ooh. the most famous mm. blues clubs in the world, where there are rows of guitars left. Everyone who's ever played there, from Keith Richards to Eric Clapton and Jimmy Page, they leave the guitar there and autograph it and hang it on the wall. That's rather nice. Um, so that there's these rows and rows and, and, and guitars, of wonderful guitars. And we also got to sit in on a blues session with the uh, the Sons of the Blues, um, singing and stomping our feet. You were and singing. Were, and uh, unfortunately, yes. Um, <laughs> it reminded me of my old school choir and uh, it took them about three months to work out who was singing completely out of pitch <laughs> because I was right at the back and eventually they got the sound right. But uh, I'm a bit better on the blues, I think, a little little more uh, throaty and, uh, and hoarse. Now, you were there as part of a media thing, but if us regular people go there, how easy is it for us to get around there in, in Chicago? Oh, it's you very mentioned the easy. L, I mean, other than there's, that. There's the elevated railway. It's laid out on a very big grid system, wide boulevards, so it's an easy city to explore independently. And also they have a metro, so in fact, I'd recommend getting a city pass which includes admission to the top five attractions and also importantly gives you a fast pass VIP so you can jump the long queues at some of the attractions and has discounts on many. So the must-sees while, and you can do this on foot around the downtown Chicago area, are the Art Institute of Chicago, which is the second largest museum in the United States and it also has the world's best collection of impressionist art outside of Paris and a great collection of modern American art. The Field Museum, which is more um, sort of anthropology and natural sciences, etc., and also massive. Skydeck Chicago on the 103rd floor of the Willis Tower, which was formerly the Sears Tower. 
and the Museum of Science and Industry. And also at the uh, the Willis Tower, they have a thing called the ledge where you can step outside and on um, sort of glass. Oh, no. And, and, and <laughs> I've that, seen that, This is 103 floors up. So I think I enjoyed the old German U-boat, one of the few yeah, the tech ones in the world, which is still afloat at the Museum of Science Industry and was mm. captured, in fact, in the North Atlantic by someone from Chicago. No, I've, I've actually seen Chicago. that ledge thing on TV. And I've seen people stepping out on that thing. It wouldn't do for me. The entire thing is glass. It feels like you're standing on nothing. I don't think I could do that. Now, let's go back to why you were actually there. What were some of the highlights yes. of the powwow? Well, during the day, I'd walk the um, walk the floor, which, I mean, literally means walking from Brooklyn, New York, to L.A., California, or from Chicago down to New Orleans, across a vast area. Brand USA launched two major new initiatives while I was there. Firstly, plans to celebrate the forthcoming centenary of the U.S. Park Service in 2016. And, of course, America has these iconic parks, such as Yosemite, Yellowstone, Stone, the Smoky Mountains, Grand Canyon, the Everglades. And they asked, well, how do you market a country as big as the United States? And concluded, will you make a really big IMAX <laughs> film about it? So in fact, they're making a special IMAX film oh, okay. on all the national parks in the States. And there are also 21 UNESCO World Heritage Sites in the US, including, which I wasn't aware, the Statue of Liberty. So Brand USA also launched a new social media campaign focused on the quintessential American road trip. And it's sort of it's called Discover America, and they've linked up with National Geographic, who have a, a, a guy called a digital nomad, Andrew Evans, and he's currently blogging his way down Route 66, which begins in Chicago and ends in L.A. And they've focused on 10 classic road trips, the Pacific Coast Highway, Route 66, the Texas Barbecue Trail. So it all depends what, what your interests are. But, uh, you know, a road trip is a great way. I mean, the open road is a great way to explore a country like America with its grand history of automobiles and, and, and free way travel uh, the the road in many ways in the early 20th century began in 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 the u.s the road as we know it that freeway travel now knowing how they do things in america always bigger and better and everything else almost like you're in texas permanently I, I'm, I'm really asking you this. Was there any entertainment at this power <laughs> thing? Because I can just imagine what they put on, and I'm going to be sitting here turning green with envy. So Carl, tell I, me. I, I couldn't believe it. At lunch every day, and now you're feeding 6,000 delegates at the same mm. time. Okay. Um, and normally with regional food. So, you know, you might have wild salmon from Alaska or gumbo from New Orleans. I'm I mean, really these not are liking really, you. I'm accompanied really, with no. local beers and wines from Oregon and Napa, etc. But in the middle of this, there was this massive stage in the middle of of the, um, uh, the, the auditorium at the McCormack Place, the convention centre. And one day, for example, the, the stars of six Broadway shows were flown Are in from kidding? New York. And international travellers account for 23% of Broadway audiences. So Broadway is a big tourism attraction in and of itself. And they sang the, the leading artists from all six shows did duets and sang the hit songs of Les Miserables, Beautiful, which is a new Carol King show, tribute show that's opened in, on Broadway, Rocky, Motown, Cabaret, Phantom of the Opera, and Pippin. And I mean, live entertainment just doesn't get better than that. And that's while you're eating your, your, your mains and, and, and desserts. They would perform for an hour. And another day, a group called the World Class Rockers played, which is an amalgam of the surviving members of Santana, Boston, Journey, Steppenwolf, and Leonard Skinner, who knocked off a, a sort of record perfect version of it's only a feeling and all of these classic old rock songs mm. um and uh, and sweet home alabama as well so you were talking of texas of course the entire dallas cowboys cheerleader team showed Ooh, up that must have made you happy <laughs> <laughs> and i've got a picture of me the rose among the thorns or is it the thorn, the among thorn the amongst roses, the roses i think um, posing these with the dallas cowboys and much to my amazement one of the the uh, the cheerleaders said gosh you've got such a neat accent where are you from are you from Africa. Oh, so gosh, I normally said, they think we're from Australia. I said, yes, I'm from South Africa. She said, wow, she said. And honestly, if she was she was wearing the equivalent of a, of a handkerchief to do this um, <laughs> this uh, cheerleader routine, she said, I worked as a missionary in Zambia. <laughs> and, but really? I've never been South Africa, so, I mean, I, I was really gobsmacked. It's not often I'm at a loss for words, but no, I said, really? <laughs>
Well, you mentioned at, at these sort of lunchtime things, you were getting sort of salmon from Alaska and gumbo from New Orleans. And, but does, does Chicago have any signature dishes of its own, though? Well, of course, it, in fact, the hot dog was supposedly invented at a World Trade Fair at the Columbian Exp Exposition, I think, in 1893. And apparently it was the first time anyone had ever thought of wrapping a roll around a hot dog. And, and hot dogs are recorded going back to the 1400s in Bavaria, Germany. But it took someone in America to say, let's a wrap a bun around this thing. Um, so it's famous for its different style hot dogs, and it has huge immigrant communities. So it's a big melting pot of everything from Ukrainian to Polish cuisine. It's also known for, its, for inventing deep pan pizza, the sort of deep dish pizza that you get. Italian beef sandwiches, which you dip in gravy as well. And Garrett popcorn. They have this popcorn chain, and people queue around the block. I went actually well, joined so the queue by mistake, thinking this must be the metro queue. They coat it in a mixture of caramel and cheese. Um, and it might sound really okay. revolting, right. but um, this is what people eat at lunchtime there. Mm -hmm. Lastly, for its chop houses. It's famous for its what they, they call chop houses there, which are steak houses. And in fact, I got to try the lot while watching a classic American baseball game at the second oldest uh, baseball park in uh, the America called Wrigley Field. I think everybody's heard about yeah, Wrigley Field. Wrigley Field is amazing. It's as if we left Newlands Rugby Stadium as it was, you know, mm. in the sort of 20s or 30s. It's and, and the amazing thing is half the side of the stadium is completely open to the surrounding community. So everyone has built a small grandstand on top of their apartment block called the rooftop terraces where you can watch um, the baseball for free. Oh, how fun is that? <laughs> and so I sat there, in fact. You, but you do pay the owners, you know, say $50, yes, yeah. and you get in this free food and free hot dogs and free hamburgers and popcorn and that kind of thing. And you, and you get this magnificent view of the stadium. So everyone has built this, this great an apartment with a view. If you own the top apartment, you just shove. Some of them sort of go up um, and have 20 rows, 10, 20 wow. rows. So they've built they're more grandstands that seem outside of the Park. So Wrigley Field, named of course after Chicago's chewing gum. We used to get Wrigley's chewing gum here. So. Remember, yeah. Mm. It was built in 1914 and was celebrating its centenary. So it was a, a great thing to do in Chicago. It's a, they call them the uh, Chicago uh, Cubs and we watch them play the Pittsburgh Pirates. Although the Chicago White Sox are also quite well known, apparently. And you actually, as we keep mentioning, because you keep heading off on all these other fabulous things that you did while you were there, the actual powwow. Now they were obviously unveiling new tourism attractions, as I would imagine, for the coming year well what sort of stuck out that was great that looked like it could be really good well i think uh, ipw or power takes place in orlando next year and it'll be the 50th anniversary of universal um, Gosh, is that parks and resorts wow. yes so um they have major new expansions planned and as uh, orlando is the biggest tourism attraction as a town in the u.s they drew an amazing 59 million visitors in 2013 which puts it ahead of new york and california is the biggest state destination but the uh, universal park and resorts are launching and expanding massively the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Oh, that sounds Alley like fun! At Universal Studios, and it's going to feature a new multi-dimensional thrill called Harry Potter and the Escape from the Gringotts which is billed as the most spectacular theme experience ever created. And you can even travel on the Hogswart Express when Ooh. you arrive from platform, what was it, 19... Something quarters or something, yes. something um, like that. And, and all the way to Hogsmeade Station, and you can eat at restaurants like the Leaky Cauldron. Um, so it's a completely This doesn't sound like it's just for kids. Yeah. This sounds like it could be for grown-ups uh, too. Absolutely. It sounds fabulous. And they also have a new Despicable Me Minion Mayhem ride at Universal Studios in Hollywood, and they're doing new night studio tours. That's which, new. which, which yeah. includes apparently all the sets will be backlit, so you actually pass through a real sort of psycho set. Oh, no, I didn't um, stay away from could that be one. quite <laughs> creepy. And lastly, that apparently they're launching the, the Springfield as the home of the Simpsons, so uh, which is one of my favourite TV series. <sighs> so I'm looking forward to that and uh, looking forward to going back next year. Now, well, well, I wanted to talk to you still about the Route 66 because you did a bit of that as well, but Afterwards, we haven't really got time now. So could you come back? Um, yes, I, I, with with pleasure, Karen. Right, thank you. Well, thank you so much for. Well, I don't know why I'm thanking you for telling us about your fabulous time in Chicago. It sounds not somewhere I'd often thought about as a destination on its own, but it's gosh, it sounds like there's an awful lot to do there, and it sounds like a whole lot of fun. So maybe that's something to put on your bucket list for the future is to pop along to Chicago. Yes. <clears throat> thank you so much for joining me.
Thanks, Karen. I was chatting there with Graham Howe about his recent trip to Chicago for the Powwow, the biggest travel conference in the United States. And Graham Howe is a freelance travel writer who writes for the Intrepid Explorer, Getaway, and their blog and Classic Wine. He attended IPW 14 as a guest of British Airways, US Travel, Choose Chicago, and Discover Illinois. For more information, you can take a look at www.discoveramerica.com, www.ustravel.org, and www.choosechicago.com. Time to travel with Karen Key. I'm joined this evening by Charlotte Quinette Menkes, and she's head of WorkAware International South Africa. And we've spoken to Charlotte before, but it's such a wonderful program. And it's that time of year again when they have all these seminars to introduce you, who don't know much about WorkAware, to exactly what it is that they do. So here she is again. Charlotte, good evening. Welcome back to the show. Good evening, Karen. Thank you for having me. So WorkAware International, for those who don't know, this is a wonderful opportunity for selected people to spend some time working over in America. That's correct. Um, What we do is we send uh, young South Africans over to Florida for a six-month period to go and experience what it's like to work at a country club in America. What sort of positions are available there? Well, we have numerous positions available, ranging from um, hosts to waitrons to chefs to golf attendants, pool attendants, reception positions. So there's a whole variety of positions that people can apply for, but most of the positions available are in the hospitality section, which are the waitron and chef positions. So these are people that would have had some prior experience, obviously. Correct, yes. We do We do like people to have prior experience because there is a minimum qualification for the waitrons and the chefs um, in terms of working over there. They would have to, for example, have three months experience in a restaurant in South Africa before they can apply to be a waitron or a chef. There are other positions which don't require that experience. Like if you apply to be a golf attendant or a host on reception, there's no minimum requirement in terms of job experience. But obviously not everybody who applies is selected to go. You have seminars around the country, and I think the next one is coming up this Saturday in Cape Town. Just for, before we get to what happens there, just explain to us about the seminars, where and when. Yeah, we, we have um, seminars running throughout the country at the moment. The seminar is at the Belmont Conference Center in Rondebosch on Saturday. It starts at 11 o'clock. And then we have one in Johannesburg on the 14th of June, which is next Saturday, also starting at 11 at the Michelangelo. And then we have one in Port Elizabeth, again, on the 21st of June at 12 o'clock. And then in Durban on the 28th of June, also starting at 11. But all these details can be found on our website, which is, which is very informative and tells them exactly where and when and how. Do you want to just give us the website address? Yes, it's www.workawayinternational.co.za. Okay, so if you're wanting to go, do they need to book? No, they don't need to book. They just need to come along. We feel it's very important that before anyone applies to go on our program specifically, that they understand exactly what they're going to be getting if they are selected. You know, we at that presentation, it's about an hour and a half. What I like to go through is, is um, everything about what we have to offer, what the program's about, where they will be working, what they will be doing, what they can expect to earn, etc., so that they make informed decisions in terms of before they apply to go on this program. Is there a a minimum education qualification? I mean, do you need matric? Not really, no. No, not really. We do look at people who haven't got matric, um, you know, for various reasons. Um, However, we are looking for people who are determined and hardworking and who can see a project through. That's critically important. So each person that applies would be dealt with on an individual basis, And then once we've interviewed them thoroughly, we will then make a decision whether we'll put them forward for a final interview with a country club. Obviously need to be fluent in English. It's critically important. And in addition to fluency in English, particularly if you're working with the members of these country clubs, in addition to that, we're looking for people who have great attitudes. We believe often that if you have a good attitude, you're going to do very well on our program because then it will come through in the work environment when you're dealing with all the guests at the country clubs. How many people are selected each year, Charlotte? About 600. Um, We're looking to send 600 over in October and beginning of November this year. Gosh, that's a lot of people. Yes. Gosh, I thought you were going to say like 30 or 40 or something. No, no. That's why we have, um, we host a number of presentations. So if people can't make the June presentations, we are also doing presentations throughout the country in July. 
Um, and because our country clubs come out in the beginning of August for the final interviews, so our recruitment process continues until that stage. So it's a sort of a, a sort of almost a tiered interview process. Yes. They do it with you, and then the international people come out from America to do the final check once they get here. Correct. In fact, there's a screening straight after the presentation, and that's why those presentations are compulsory, because we meet the applicants after that presentation and have a quick five-minute interview, and that's the first step. Then the next step would be with WorkAway, and then the third step would be with the actual country club, who would then make an offer of employment to that prospective participant or employee. Now, you aren't sort of fly-by-night organization. People often worry about that sort of thing. You've been doing this for 14 years now. Yes, yes. This is our 15th year of business. So we've, we started off really small where we sent a group of 80 South Africans over to this one country club called Boca West Country Club. And it was such a success. Um, hence, we've now sent over 13,000 South Africans to the States to work at these country clubs for six-month periods. Why are South Africans in such great demand in this sort of industry over there? Well, you know, generally the South Africans um, have got a very good reputation and every year they prove it over and over again. Um, Our South Africans are well-liked and well-respected because they're hard-working and also they're incredibly polite and friendly. And that's what the members of these country clubs really enjoy is the, the positive attitude and friendliness that the South Africans show in the workplace. But as I said, in addition to that, that they have a great work ethic and that's why this program is so successful. Now, to get down to the nuts and bolts of getting over there, if, if you are lucky enough to be selected, it's not the fact that you have to now find all this money for the airfare and the visas and tell people about that. Sort of always, whenever I've spoken to you in the past, that always to me is just absolutely incredible that you offer all of that. Just talk about the package yes. itself. Um, our, our program is very structured. Um, and um, in terms of the U.S. government, if a South African is going to work on a seasonal visa, which we send our participants over on, it's also called an H2B visa. The agreement is that they cannot pay to actually go and work in the United States. So the agency or the employer has to pay, has to bear all the costs of um, that person going to work in the States. So what happens basically is once you've been selected, you would have to have money available to pay to the consulate, which would be in September, October. Um, And so you would pay a visa processing fee and you would pay a visa reciprocity fee if you're South African. So those are costs that you pay directly to to the consulate and that you would recover those costs when you actually are on the program within your first month of employment. So you get all your money back that you've actually spent at the consulate. The other thing that we do as well is your flight is part of the offer. So we would pay for your flight uh, to the United States and back. Um, so there are really no cost in terms of going on this program. You might need to lay out some in the beginning, but in you do get it back once you're there. Correct, correct, yes. Now, what happens once you get there? Because some of these people going over are going to be quite young, I would imagine, sort of late teens, early 20s, and maybe the first time away from home. It could be quite emotionally daunting, if you like, and possibly the families might be concerned. But you don't just sort of fly them over there and dump them. No, no, we don't. Um, in fact, people become very much part of the workaway family. Um, what would happen is we often see our participants off here at the airport, and then when they get to the United States, we have a representative from WorkAway or from the particular country club that they're going to be working at who would be at the airport to meet them, and then there, there would be transportation in, in vans up to the country club and to their apartments, which are all set up and ready for them when they arrive in the United States. So there's that support system right throughout from South Africa to the United States, And whilst they're actually on the program as well, is we have a lot of support structures in place in terms of our head office is actually situated in Palm Beach, which is in Florida. And we have the owner of WorkAway who actually lives in Palm Beach and has an office with a whole lot of people working for him. So there are enormous support structures from a WorkAway perspective as well when our participants are on the program, besides what the employer has to offer in terms of human resource departments at the particular country club. It's a wonderful experience for somebody who goes over there and has a great time and a great working experience because to be to get an international sort of work experience on your CV, for example, is really going to help you in the future. Correct. We have seen, we've heard wonderful and seen wonderful success stories where we've had people come back after they've been on our program 
and they've landed themselves some great jobs in the hospitality industry, which is what it's all about. You know, it's about going over on the program, getting the six months experience, developing your skills and your knowledge in terms of the hospitality industry or the golf industry, and then coming back and, um, you know, becoming more employable. Um, I must also say, Karen, that when I interview, and we interview a lot of people to go on this program, um, when someone's got some international experience on their resumes or their CVs, it's impressive. It shows that they've, they've had the ability to step out of their comfort zone, to take the risk and to meet the challenge. And that for, for us is always very important. There's also a little added thing at the end of your six months. If you, are, you could possibly be selected to go and work somewhere else as well. Yes, um, we do have a, a limited positions up at country clubs in New York, Chicago, Pennsylvania, etc. And these uh, clubs are also on our website. But if you do have a great job at the country club, you can be selected to go up north for a further six months. Uh, and then what WorkAway would do is they would arrange your extension of your H2B visa. And then you could go back down to Florida again to work a further six months at one of our country clubs. So there is the added opportunity of not necessarily just coming back to South Africa, but also going up north if, if you get selected. Once again, the selection criteria is very strict, and it just really goes to the top performers. Right, so there's a lot of opportunities going yes. you know, for you there, but you have to have, I think a lot of it also, Charlotte, boils down to an attitude. Correct. You, know, you have to have the right attitude. And Charlotte, just again, the seminar's coming up, the, the one coming up this weekend in Cape Town on Saturday. The next one is in? In Johannesburg on the 14th, which is next Saturday. And the following Saturday, we have, one ha- we have one in Port Elizabeth. And then the Saturday thereafter, we have one in Durban. And what happens if they can't get to those, if they're not in those towns? Then we have one in... Oh, they, they, unfortunately, they're going to need to drive down to those areas. Because okay. it's, so, it's a compulsory presentation. Because as I said, you know, you really need to be aware of what the program's all about before you apply. Okay, so if you're wanting to find out more, we'll give you the website again in a moment. But unfortunately, it's not everywhere. It's in Cape Town, Johannesburg, Durban and Port Elizabeth. The dates are all on the website, workawayinternational.co.za. And if you're not in one of those towns and you'd like to go, I suggest you make a plan to get yourself there on those particular days because there's no other way that you're going to be able to go to the presentation. And that is, I'm afraid, compulsory. If you don't go to the presentation, you're not going to be able to be considered for one of these places. And if this is something you're looking to move your life in that direction of hospitality, what a wonderful opportunity if you are selected. So, If I was you, I'd absolutely make a plan. Charlotte, this sounds wonderful yet again. And thank you so much again for joining me on the show. Thank you very much for having me. I was chatting there with Charlotte Quinette Menkes, and she's head of Workaway International South Africa. And if you'd like to find out more about the seminars or about the program, have a look at the website. It's www.workawayinternational.co.za. Time to travel with Karen Key. I'm chatting now with Butz Nell, and he's the Decrance co-owner and winemaker, and it's that time of year again. It's the Absa Carlet Store Port and Wine Festival taking place on the 14th and 15th of June. Butz, good evening. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Karen. It's very nice to speak to you again. Well, this is all the, that time of year again. You must be rushing around in Carlet Store, but it's quite a thing out there. It's, it's, it's a huge festival when it comes to the Port Festival. Well, it's all relative, but I mean, we more than double our size uh, over that weekend, so I think it's very big for Kallersdorp. But the thing is, you know, uh, it's not only about feet in Kallersdorp. We want to have the right people that come to Kallersdorp and to really enjoy the the uh, friendliness of the people and the wonderful ports and wines of Kallersdorp. Now, it's not all just about the port and the wine. There's all sorts of other things going on there as well. Yes, we have, a, we have a lot of events. Maybe I can just uh, point out a few of the premier events. We have a presentation, what we call Boltong Part and the Touch of, Touch of Sweet, which is a presentation uh, by Francois Ferreira, a well-known uh, chef, and uh, he also has a hotel school here in George. And then something about brownies and port. I think that's something new that we've never done before. And then we're also getting some of the cockadura, uh, you know, of, the, of Prince Albert. We get in Toinette Toy, and she would be doing a, a cooking demonstration with uh, ostrich and, and uh, wine of, of Karlsdorp. And then some, some other things like a secret dinner, where you actually come to a dinner at uh, some of the cellars in Karlsdorp, but you don't know who's going to cook for you or what they're going to cook for you, and that's quite exciting. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people have already booked for that. 
and then obviously uh, tastings on the ports and on the wines. And uh, we even have a safari dinner this year where people move from one restaurant to the other, having a you know a main course in the one place, dessert in the other, and so on. There's also things, I mean, not all to do with food and wine. I mean, there's a guided historic walk through the town, through the village. There's an art meander. There's a cellar crawl tractor. I mean, there's lots of things to do. So, you know, if you maybe want to go up in a crowd and one of them doesn't want to go and do the drinking and things, there are lots of other things for them to do. Very much so. And I think the other thing that's also important is we, we also involve the, the local community a lot. You know, we uh, I think it's very important for us. And we have a big uh, arts competition with all the schools involved in the area. And then something that, uh, you know, is, is very important for our uh, uh, workers on the farms, we have a, a pruning competition every year. And that is something to see if you, you see how fast they actually go through a vineyard in pruning. And that is so everybody is practicing at the moment for that competition. And then also uh, there's a the game called dominoes that they play on Kallersdorp a, a lot. And that is also uh, we have about 60, 70 teams from Kallersdorp that will enter for that dominoes competition. But that is already, uh, you know, before the festival. It's only the finals that will be played on the weekend of the festival. And there's quite a lot going on at the train station. It's historic Kallersdorp train station. What's happening there this year? Yeah, that's, the, that's our main venue. It's such a beautiful venue, you know, with the backdrop of the crowns. Uh, that's actually where the name of our farm comes from because once upon a time uh, it was uh, part of our farm before my grandfather or great-grandfather sold it to the South African Railways and then it became a train station. But, um, you know, that's the main venue and there we have all kinds of things like a biodiversity uh, exhibition. You know, uh, you can taste the, the wines and the ports of not only of Karlsdorp but of the Kappa, of the uh, Cape Port Producers Association members. Um, there's some music events uh, there. There's a lot of cooking events. Uh, you know, it's just a lot of things that, that for people to do over that weekend. You've got a vintage tractor and car display there as well. <laughs> That's right, yes. Yeah, I, th- I think if you start mentioning everything, uh, it's just too many things. It's too much. But the, <laughs> <laughs> but the, 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 the main thing is, you know, that we really want people to come and enjoy the hospitality of, of Kallersdorp. And obviously we want them to, to go to all the cellars. Even the, the, those that are laying a little bit further out of the town, like Peter Bailey and so on, you know, to come and visit us and, and uh, come and enjoy their day in Karlsdorp. The other very important thing, but is that this is a family event, so children are very welcome. Very much so. We also have entertainment for the children, uh, where you know where they make up their faces and all kinds of funny stuff and, and playgrounds and so on for the children. So we very much cater for the children at a festival like this as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a family thing. There are a lot of food stalls, and also this year we, we are having a, a, some gourmet food stalls where we have really classy food stalls and, and um, things that, that people make that is really top quality stuff that, uh, um, that people can come and buy and, and enjoy as well. So all this food and wine, we're going to need to get rid of those calories. You have a mountain bike race this year as well and a barn dance. You can get rid of some of all that lovely <laughs> yeah, good food. Yeah, I think it's very important to do that. And, uh, we, we are combining with a, a group that also does some mountain bike racing over that weekend. And then the dance, uh, obviously, is, is something that people enjoy. But, you know, you walk a lot uh, because the, all the sellers, the three main sellers, the, uh, the Crowns, Bourplas, and, and the Callistop Cooperative Wine Cellar are all within walking distance from the, the station. So it's actually uh, maybe not a bad idea to park your car and just walk around between the three sellers. And, and you can also take a, 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 the, the tractor to the other sellers. Um, and then just enjoy your your day without having to drive from point A to point B. I just wanted to ask you something, though. I see what's one of the things that's happening. You mentioned the formal tastings, and that's being led by experts, basically putting the very best Portuguese ports and table wines against the South African ones. Now, there's a, back in the day, there was this whole big thing about you couldn't call champagne champagne unless it came from champagne. And there was at one time this thing about us not being able to call things port. What's yeah. happened with that now? Well, unfortunately, it has happened already. Um, so we saw Cape Ruby of, uh, or something, isn't 1st it? First of January 2012, we're not, not allowed to put the word port on the label anymore. Any wines that have been bottled before the 1st of January 2012, we can still sell as is with the word port on it. 
but it's not uh, it's not allowed anymore. And for that reason, our last Cape Vintage Reserve port that we've made was a 2010 vintage, and we actually actually labeled that wine as the last Cape Vintage Reserve port, and it's a 2010 vintage. You know, so that will really be the last port from from the crowns. It was only it was only bottled and labeled about two weeks before the the end of 2011. So we, so we just made the cutoff time. But after that, it will be just Cape Vintage Reserve or just Cape Vintage or Cape Tawny or, or Cape Ruby, without mentioning the word port. Still tastes exactly the same. It's just got a different name. Very much so, and I, I don't think you know we've been with the Ruby and the Tawny and the and the Vintage. Uh, this has been phased out the last two years already, so mm. a year and a half already, and, and we don't see any difference in in terms of sales or interest uh, in the product. So, so you know, people drink as much port as a year or two ago, uh, you know, already. It's just a different name, and yes. you're not going to lose the name of the Port and Wine Festival. We can still use the name Port in that. <laughs> Are they not going to stop you doing that? Well, you know, there's some pressure. Um, we we got some letters from uh, some of the Portuguese producers, um, you know, through their bodies and so on. But I think for the moment, uh, you know, we got a bit of a raw deal anyway, um, if you really think about it. Absolutely. Uh, some, one of the things that was promised to the port producers, or to the industry at least, was compensation of 15 million euro that we could rebrand ourselves and, and, and start with the new terms and everything. But uh, apparently that got lost somewhere, so we didn't get any of the, that money. So I think we, for the moment we will, be, we will still be using the word sport uh, on the, definitely for the festival anyway. I think the other thing that is also important is, you know, Kalastorp, uh and also the country, is, there's, a, there's a new surge for wines from port varieties as well. And that is why we have re- changed the name a year or two ago to the Port and Wine Festival. Mm. Um, you know, for instance, this year, the top 100 uh, awards, South African awards, four, I think it's four wines uh, with predominantly Turiga Nacional in it, which is a port, uh, Portuguese grape variety, uh, got a top 100 wine award. So uh, there's definitely, uh, you know, a lot of interest in wines made from these Portuguese varieties. I'm talking about red wines now, dry red wines of these varieties. And, and you'll see a lot more of, of them on the shelves and hear a lot more of them coming from Carlos Dorp. Well, it sounds like there's a lot coming out of Carlos. What about accommodation, Butz? And it's not that long to go, 14th and 15th of June. Um, I know the website, uh, portwinefestival.co.za, you can find out information. But do you have any idea about the accommodation situation at this point? I think accommodation is quite fully booked. But, you know, Otsuan is only half an hour's drive from us, and there's still plenty of accommodation available. But the best would be to, to phone the tourism uh, office in Carlos and maybe maybe find out from them or just type in Carlisdorp Tourism and you will get the information on the t- tourism office in Carlisdorp. But there's always some place. If, if, they, if all else fail, you know, they can just phone me uh, and I'll try and arrange something for them if they really want to come from, uh, especially from far. Well, it sounds like yet again it's going to be a fabulous festival. But thank you very much indeed for joining us on the show again this evening. Thank you, Karen. It was my pleasure, and thanks for the opportunity. I was chatting there with Butz Nell. He's the Decrance co-owner and winemaker, and we were talking about the Absa Carlet Store Port and Wine Festival 2014. It's taking place this year on the 14th and the 15th of June. Now, if you're wanting to find out more about the festival itself, there is a website. It's portwinefestival.co.za. If you're looking for accommodation or just for any information on the area or anything else you need to know, you can phone Carlet Store Tourism 44 213 3775. So it's 044 213 3775. And the website again, portwinefestival.co.za. And that's it for Time to Travel for this week. I'm Karen Key. Thanks for joining me this evening. And just a reminder that if you need any information about something you've heard on Time to Travel this evening, you can find it on Facebook. Just go to Travel on SAFM. Or you can email me on travel at safm.co.za. And I'll be back with you next Monday evening just after nine with a law report. And, of course, being the second Monday of the month, we'll be doing our monthly law clinic with attorney Nicolene Skuman-Lowe. That's the law report next Monday, the 9th of June. Well, it's time right now for some nighttime music.